0: Hey, welcome to the Mission Manhood Podcast, where strong, healthy, mature masculinity is celebrated and encouraged. My name is Angela Abide. I am a woman, a mother, and a mental health professional. I'm really glad that you're here, and I hope you enjoy the episode. Hey, I'm glad you're here. In this episode, I am talking with Tom Gentry, who is the host of The Path to Authenticity and Men Who Talk. Tom and I met through Instagram, and he invited me on Clubhouse to have a conversation about masculinity, why I'm in that space online, and also just to talk about different issues that we're concerned about. I've broken the conversation up into two episodes, so this episode is part one, and then next week I'll I'll release part two. For this part of the conversation, we touch on topics like men needing other men, my opinion about a woman's role in men's work, and thoughts about the extremes of men's work. We also touch on the topic of transgender children thoughts and perspective on that toward the end of the episode. This conversation ends rather abruptly and it's just because it was a natural stopping point in the conversation before we went on to the next subject so I apologize for that. In this day and age it's rare to have someone to sit down with and have a really deep Conversation without the fear of being judged or without having to walk on eggshells. And I believe Tom does a really great job as a host of providing that environment. And I'm so grateful to him. And I hope that you enjoy it as much as I did.
1: Hey, there you are. Hello. I'm impressed. You got this all figured out.
0: <laughs> Don't be too impressed. <laughs> Come on
1: now. You're a therapist. You're supposed to say thank you. Instead.
0: I'm also a human. <laughs> <laughs> it's very humbling. I'm just trying to get my bearings.
1: Yeah, we we threw this together pretty quickly. Thank you.
0: Yeah, you're welcome. I used to record my episodes without video and I really liked it because I could close my eyes and really concentrate and consult my notes and then I started doing video and it really changes things.
1: Yeah, I haven't made the switch. I'll tell you, I was in a good routine of recording two or three of these a week for a while and just churning out content. And then I've had a lot of like major life change stuff over the last year. Yeah. And just decided I needed to take a break from podcasting. I was getting burned out, so yeah. I decided to give it a little while and uh, instead of doing it continually end the first season and start a second season at the beginning of may so i've done a couple interviews mm-hmm. for it and now you i'm really excited about this
0: i could relate to a lot of uh what you were saying there and i feel like i'm in the same boat as far as trying to figure out i've been focused on the men's stuff but i also want to focus on some other things and i think you just have to stop looking at it like the success in the eyes of the world and just do what your heart's telling you to do.
1: Yeah. Yeah. This just creating this podcast was a big exercise in that for me.
0: Yeah.
1: Because I had a couple friends who one in particular had a podcast she'd been doing about three years. By this time it had gotten syndicated and was on radio as well. And she's like, you got to keep it under 25 minutes and you got to do this and you got to do that. And in my mind, I'm thinking, I don't want to do any of that stuff. Yeah. And and it was really one of the first times in my life where I just said, you know what? I will find my people. Definitely. The people who, who this will resonate with are the ones who, you know, it's really been an exercise in creating what? I want to listen to so and just trusting that'll work and then the other part of it and I'm glad I did it this way but part of me always wanted to just focus on manhood but I knew I wasn't ready to do that so then I started this menu talk podcast I guess last February March was when the first episode came out well So Angela, you ready to do this? I'm ready. Okay, thank you so much for taking the time to do this with me, I really appreciate it. And you're someone who I connected with on Instagram. I've followed your Mission Manhood profile. Yeah. And, and I feel you've commented on a couple of my posts and I've appreciated what you've posted. And I just decided I really need to reach out to you and have a conversation with you and learn more about who you are and how you ended up with a passion for helping men from what I've read about you I know that's not the only thing you're passionate about and I've listened to your podcast and uh was impressed with it (laughs) there's the sigh I'll explain the sigh sigh, because I don't want you to take it the wrong way so I'm an addiction counselor okay and I got into all this manhood stuff because I had to I had to get better And then I was able to apply the things I learned in a marriage, and in a divorce, and being a father. I was able to bring all that into my work with young guys. And so it's just snowballed. But it all started with Robert Bly, Iron John. I don't know if you're familiar with that or not.
0: That's one I have on my shelf that is on my to-do list because so many men mention it to me.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I'd even met him one time and met him at a conference and got the book signed and read through it. But then what ended up happening is a couple years down the road, I ended up in, in marriage counseling and this guy started talking about Iron John and he really brought it to life for me. And that's where the real change started to happen. Wow. it's when I learned that I wasn't showing up in my life I wasn't being the real Tom I was so afraid of abandonment and, and not even like on a conscious level it was, it was deep and it was rooted in my inner child but Robert Bly he talks a lot about men need other men And he doesn't at all disparage the contribution that women make in helping men. But he also talks about how only a man can really teach a man how to be a man. And what I want to say about listening to your podcast is I've witnessed a lot of female therapists who just kind of do men's group and the male leadership energy was missing. And what I really appreciated about your podcast is that you come from a learning perspective. You're very open and you're seeking information rather than just going out there and trying to fix all the guys. Cause that's what it has felt like watching some women do this
0: you know it might sound old-fashioned or traditional or some women might recoil at this but if you're a woman working with men or working in men's work I think it's really important that you know your place and having sons I know that they need spaces with me not there and even as from as young as I can remember I would say that's what that's how you talk on the playground with your friends or that's how you talk in the locker room and I was trying to help them distinguish that that's not bad I'm not telling you that's bad but I'm a lady and in my presence you need to behave differently without making it this big guilty deal and at the same time if I am an aspiring reporter and I go in the locker room and I'm interviewing guys I don't expect them to I don't expect them to act any differently because I'm there, because I'm walking into their world. And I think with all of our political correctness and we've just created a big mess and we don't value the uniqueness and contributions of each side. And I think that's one of our big problems right now. So I have these young guys coming into my office and they're almost apologetic for their masculinity. They have no idea how to be in relationship or that be that hero or go on that hero's journey. And I think for me, my role is to help them discover where they've been, who they are, why they are the way they are, and maybe see what they need to do for themselves so that they can be in a position where they can be that hero and go on that journey. But at that point, to me, they go to the men and they, just like in the initiation, I learned from my mom. I've learned very valuable and important things. There are things that are imprinted on me. And then I go to the men. And mm. just like with my sons, I don't always want to be the queen. I am raising men and eventually I expect them to become my king. I want to mm. relax. I want Correct. them to be in charge of their life and their surroundings. And I want them to help take care of me when I get older and I don't want to always be in charge of them. And I feel the same way about my clients. I have certain things that I can offer you, and then at some point, you won't need me anymore.
1: Well, that's the point, right, of therapy, to not need a therapist
0: Exactly, yeah.
1: Yeah, I also, I'm really careful about entering into the kind of conversation I just did with you about women and their roles and helping men, because I also feel like there are a lot of men who aren't doing anything to help other men. And if uh, women are willing to do it, then who am I to complain about that? But it, it's what you said about understanding your role. That's the best thing I learned from Little League, is knowing what member of the team I am and what my role is and being able to roll with that. Yeah. So I appreciate that. And it also, it was a great interview with Traver Bohm who I've followed online. I haven't read his book. I'm going to after listening to that. And what caught my attention immediately was when he talked about asking someone to be on his podcast who told him no. And when he asked for an explanation, the guy said, because every men's movement goes alt-right. And... There are so many guys on Instagram who say a lot of really good things and then they lose me because they say something crazy and then they say something really judgmental. The big one I see a lot is never date a feminist or never marry a feminist or stuff like that. And then... Another thing I see is a lot of women propagating misogynistic messages that are talking about body counts and if you have a high body count, no guys want gonna want to be with you and just just really sort of women attacking other women. But a lot of these accounts that I follow, I want to know what's being said because I want to I want to be the voice of reason
0: that. The comment. I understood exactly what he meant. I don't think it's always alt right. It's just the extreme of whatever you are. Yeah. And if you're kind of a conservative, traditional type group, you tend to start leaning in that direction after a while. And I mean, I have a an example of that. A guy I interviewed at one time just had a really great vision for masculinity and the reconciliation of the masculine and feminine and. I don't know what I did at some point to turn him on me. But now we've gotten to the point where the last interaction we had, which was last week, he was quoting a scripture that women are to remain silent and not try to teach him. And that's just a perfect example of him going from this man that I was like, wow, your vision is so incredible to now he's telling me to shut up and sit down. Right. And uh, But it's not just the traditional Christian, it's the workout guys. They go to the right. extremes of that. It's all the things. And one of the main problems is it's very homo. And I don't mean that as homosexual. I just mean it's one sex. It's masculine. And I get why they're that way. But nature and life and everything is showing us that our well-being is a dance between these two energies, the known and the unknown, the logical and the creative, the masculine and the feminine. And we all have that in our heart. We all have to get that balance right in our own self, in our relationships, and then in our communities. And if it's just defending ourselves against this feminist, these evil feminists, and just having the brotherhood and not trying to figure out the other, the inner, the emotions, and Sometimes people err on that side as well, but I do think that my main message in the man's space would be we have to get that dance down.
1: Yeah, the observation I made about this world, I don't know, four or five years ago when I really started to dive deep is, and it was really before you started seeing all these people on Instagram posting this stuff, is all the books you see out there for men most of them are either about getting laid making money or finding jesus all of them and there's nothing out there really about being fully integrated as a human being and i really started to go down this rabbit hole of what does it mean to be a man after reading the robert bligh stuff and then i moved on to sam keen who wrote fire in the belly. I started to entertain this question. And then eventually what I came to realize is it's really subjective. It's really who you ask. There, there are some, there's some commonalities. There's something about being a protector and a provider and being a good parent and all that kind of stuff. But that's really about it. Yeah. That's really it. And eventually what I concluded is that at least for me, the question isn't, what does it mean to be a man? For me, the question is, what does it mean for me to be a man? How do I need to live to be grounded in my masculinity and to like really step into my power? And to me, that doesn't really have anything to do with being a follower. And and then one of the things I see is all these guys telling women and even other women telling women that you need to let him be a man. You need to let him be the leader. And it's like, to me, if you're missing the point, it's, am I really a leader? If you're telling me I can, doesn't that make you the leader? Yeah. And so there are all these, just all these mixed messages. And then the Me Too stuff, I do understand how sort of the ground beneath a lot of men's feet just felt like it just moved and they're completely lost. But also we didn't treat women all that well for a long, long time. And it's like a lot of guys didn't have a filter felt like they could say whatever and so now what it seemed like to me is all of a sudden I don't even know what's okay to say anymore and the way I wrap my head around that is that's because you never had to use a filter before and now you do. And it's just about learning how to have a filter and use a filter and for me like I Traver talked about, I think he said he had two sisters. I have five, hmm. so five older sisters, and I'm the youngest of eight. Wow. I saw a lot, and and I've always felt pretty comfortable around females, and a lot of the dominance sort of stuff, I, I just never got it.
0: Yeah.
1: It just never really clicked for
0: me. I think there are a lot of things that are true, And that's where a lot of people really mess up. They're looking at it as this is true. And if this is true, that can't be true. But usually Mm -hmm. there's at least two things that can be true. And one of those things is like I see with my sons who are 18 to 24, they're just almost paralyzed to your point. They don't know what's okay to say. If they go to college and have orientation classes on consent, there's no organically flowing chemistry anymore. It's like the good guys are tied up with, am I doing it the right way? Should I get them to sign a consent form? It's kind of nuts. But what's also true is that women are still dealing with the assholes of the world. Right. And I have personal stories of just in the last year or so going out with a friend and just being completely shocked with the way we were treated just in a friendly neighborhood type establishment. So good guys have no idea what women endure and because they would never think to do that. But one thing you said about all the different types of guys and only one way to be a man, that's another one of my pet peeves. And that's one reason I like Traver's work too. He seems to be more encompassing and the analogy I always use is like the rock and mr. Rogers and Hmm. why is only the rock acceptable like in men's work now and I think a men's group men's work a brotherhood should look more like oceans 11 where you have the little guy that does gymnastics that can shimmy around in the ceiling and get under the radars and then you have the really intellectual guy and then you have the strong guy, and you have the leader, and we need to make it okay to be all kind of different kinds of man. And it shouldn't just be this men's group is for the strong people, and this men's group is for the spiritual people, and this men's group is for the sensitive poet people. I think ideally we would be incorporating and forming these like incredible brotherhood teams where iron sharpening iron, I'm picking you up, and you're picking me up, and we're helping each other learn about the nature of reality.
1: Yeah, and you know, uh, one of the things that I've observed in my career, just working with a lot of guys, and a, a lot of the groups that I have done have been with guys in early recovery from substance use disorders. A lot of times they had co occurring issues, but there really isn't a formula. And you can be the rock and do all the things the rock does and still not be standing in your masculine power.
0: Yeah. It very quickly can become symbolism over substance. hmm So I'm playing the part, I look the part, I say the right words and I've read the right books, but at the end of the day, am I the king, am I the warrior, am I the magician, am I the lover?
1: What I really believe Is that the missing piece is our relationship with our emotions. And how we're navigating that or whether we are. Because so many of us, and it's not only men, it's women too. But it's like women have this range of emotions that are acceptable for her to experience and express. And then men have a smaller range. But we're all limited in our culture. We're not very good at it. We're not good at it. We avoid it. And I just feel like that's the big thing. We have to get out of this adversarial relationship with our emotions and recognize that they're a source of power. My pet peeve, it's the whole idea that there's a feminine side, getting in touch with your feminine side, and the idea that men and women are really fundamentally different from an emotional standpoint. I just don't buy it. I don't. I just think we're, we're indoctrinated differently, we're socialized differently, and we're, we're crippled because of it. It's not because we're born with any different capacity to experience emotions. And the other part of all this is that When you've lived your entire life that way, as a guy who just represses everything or avoids everything, or is walking through life kind of numb, it takes a lot of courage to decide to face it. It's painful. And most guys don't want to go anywhere near that stuff. They don't even want to talk about it.
0: I think it's a range. I think you come here as you are And little kids tell you who they are and show you who they are and you have some very feminine women and some very masculine men and everything in between we have masculine women and feminine men and some of that has to do with our personality that we come here with and some of it has to do with the nurture and nature but I feel like we have to balance that out for ourselves so if you're an extremely masculine man It might be more challenging for you to get in touch with that and to become a good leader for yourself and nurture yourself and care for yourself because it's foreign. You're so good at the outer. You're so good at the logical. And on the flip side, you can see that with a woman who's very feminine, she might naturally in the outer world become a damsel in distress because she doesn't really know how to be in the world. And you can see how both of those could set you up for a lot of heartache in the world if you can't, if you can't learn. Because that woman's always gonna be looking for somebody to cover her, which might make her make a decision to get the wrong person. The man's gonna look for completion if he can't access that by himself. And so I feel like that is the first dance is to figure out in your heart how to be a good mother and a good father to yourself and if you're a masculine man, the father might come really naturally to you. But how are you feeding yourself? Are you getting enough sleep? Do you allow yourself the rest when you're stressed? And to your point, the emotional part of it is vital. If you can't manage that, you're not going to be really great in your relationships. Um, you're going to outsource that stuff to other people, which sets you up for really difficult relationships and I feel the same for a woman. She's got to learn the basics of caring for herself and setting boundaries for herself and being a good mother and father to herself. The difference, and I'll just say this quickly, is that women are allowed and encouraged to learn how to operate in the world. So in our modern society, if you have a girl in your household, you're going to teacher that yes it's okay to cry it's okay to have your emotions and hey let me show you how to change this tire because if you're ever caught on the road by yourself you're going to need to do this and oh you want to go to that college sure women can do anything and yeah it's still okay to cry and do all those feminine things as well but in the typical household the for the men it's like hey you need to be tough and strong you need to protect your sister you need to learn how to change this tire But we're not really showing them that, yes, you also need to learn to dance with this other side. And it's almost looked down upon if a boy child or a man child leans in that way or expresses that. You try to steer them away from that. And so I think women have an advantage in that way that we're trained in our modern society that, yeah, you can do and be whatever. And it's perfectly okay for you to be feminine. And then also if you want to take on these big outer challenges, that's cool, too.
1: Yeah, it's like going through life with one hand tied behind your back.
0: Yeah, and we're not balancing it out for the guys in the same way.
1: Yeah. And it's, uh, there's this intergenerational aspect of it to the young guys who you see now who just don't know what to do. It's because they had dads who didn't know how to teach them what to do. And I think as time goes on, generation after generation, we're getting a little bit better. I just turned fifty and a lot of guys my age, a lot of men I know who pff, wouldn't dare imply that they're not masculine, they're not afraid to shed tears. Yeah. They'll cry with me and they're not gonna they're not gonna be embarrassed about it. But you go twenty years older and they're not comfortable with seeing me cry, let alone them cry. <laughs> yeah. You know? it's but it's getting better one of the things that i get so sort of locked in on the emotion stuff with men and i have to remember sometimes that there is sort of a range of that personality is part of it i have a a son who's about to turn 17 and it's always been so important to me to have intimacy and have him feel safe with me that he could come to me and talk to me about whatever. He's not as touchy feely as mm-hmm. I am. Yeah. And I gotta learn that the
0: whole <laughs> way. Yeah.
1: And now it's it doesn't mean he's not emotionally intelligent because he is.
0: Right.
1: He's a whiz with boundaries and limits and all he's really solid. But yeah. he just it doesn't have that same sort of Uh, depth of emotional experience that I or he's not interested in it like I'm fed by it I think
0: yeah
1: and there's part of him that just doesn't he's matter of fact you know concrete and he's got he's an artist too he does sings and dances and all that stuff yeah but it's in terms of where we fit and on that range that you talked about what i've heard described as this sort of continuum of androgyny that we all fall somewhere on and we attract the opposite pole of where we are
0: one of the reasons we're in such a predicament currently is because we haven't allowed that if we would allow somebody like a child show me who you are and For example, like if back to the family, I'm from the south. And if you have a little girl who wants to go hunting with daddy, it's okay, here's your camo and go kill the deer. (laughs) And he's celebrating and taking pictures and all that stuff. She might go on to be a cheerleader at Ole Miss or whatever. But we celebrate that whatever you want to be, honey, for the women. But if the man, if the boy child says, I'm not really comfortable sh- shooting or killing things, dad, I think I just want to draw my art book today, it's a disappointment. Right. So instead of going out and getting art books of the greatest artists that have ever lived and looking at those with our son, there's this underlying kind of disapproval. And I think that causes a lot of pain for men to oh, not yeah. be accepted by these guys that you look up to, whether that's in a brotherhood or your family or your brothers or whatever.
1: You have three sons. I have one. He's been my greatest teacher. There's no yeah, question. For about sure. It. But I grew up playing baseball and I wasn't close to my dad. He was aloof and did the best he could, but was pretty yeah.
0: stoic. He was that generation.
1: He was. And like I said, I'm the youngest of eight. So he was born in 1925. So, Depression era, World War Two. So it was really important to me to be different with my son. And I love Baseball baseballs my first love. I just, when I thought about having kids, of course we're gonna play catch and do all that stuff and I'm gonna teach them how to play baseball and it's gonna be great. The sort of pictures we paint for ourselves before becoming parents and He's as athletic as any person I've ever met. He's just not into it.
0: Yeah,
1: he's not into it. And because of the work I've done on myself, I just wanted him to be happy. Now I had to work through that. I had feelings come up. Yeah,
0: yeah, it. It's a disappointment. but I, but
1: I did work through it and I wasn't disappointed in him. What I realized is I was risking doing what parents aren't supposed to do which is have my needs met by him rather than the other way around.
0: Yeah.
1: And I I had to reorient. But then when that shift took place in my mind, I don't care what he does. I just want him to be happy. I want him to find something to be passionate about and to love because the kids who have that do better than kids who don't. And when it eventually became performing arts and those as i was approaching divorce my ex wife just assumed that i was going to be disappointed and it's not because of anything i did it's because that's the way we are yeah in this culture and i took it personally because for god's sake he's my son i i love him you know, i don't i just want to be happy but that's how deep that runs and I'm glad to hear you point this out, this observation that we don't do this with girls. Girls have the flexibility to be versatile and to do things that are associated more with manhood. But it's uh, it's usually not the other way around.
0: Yeah.
1: Or there are no limits at all, which is also weird. But going back to this androgyny thing, what you're talking about, just letting kids be who they are that's one of the things that breaks my heart about all this trans rights stuff because Mm -hmm. first of all what I think about is how painful it must be to feel like I'm in the wrong body so I have compassion for them but also like to see now a son who goes to a high school and it's a much different time the kids who in my high school would have been on the fringe nobody would have talked to them nobody would have engaged with them at all because they were androgynous or whatever Those kids who just, you look at them back then, I knew they must be profoundly sad. Those kids are accepted now. It's okay to be those kids now. And that's what I want to see. There is a, I think there's a line too far, which thank God I don't have to worry about that with a child of mine. But I think generally accepting people for who they are and recognizing that what we want for ourselves is, I believe is written on our hearts by our Mm -hmm. creator and we're at our best when we follow that.
0: Yeah, Yeah. I think as a parent, we have a sacred trust and I learned from my mother, who was a devout Christian, but she never really looked at us as her children. She looked at us as God's children, like life's gifts to itself. And I think in that role, she did have some fear that we would not choose the right path, but she did a really good job of showing us love and support and being our biggest fans and not insisting we choose one thing or another. And I think that's the greatest gift that that we can give our children is just to let them be who they are and let them explore and let them have a really safe environment to do that. And for me, just for the record, and I know this is a very unpopular opinion, but part of that sacred trust is to hold the space for you to be exactly who you are. And then when you become an adult, you can make the more permanent decisions. Mm -hmm. And I think about that with tattoos or anything that would be a permanent solution. Having the experience of having a 24-year-old and a 21-year-old and an 18-year-old, I have seen all of them. A 24-year-old currently is blossoming into adulthood. Mm -hmm. And I can really identify four distinct stages that he was in. And I'm so thankful that in stage two or three, we didn't have to deal with a issue that would have altered him permanently forever. At 24, where he is now, I don't care what he told me. I don't care if he wants to get a back tattoo or he is a heterosexual male. So I'm not faced with any kind of transgender issues, but he has earned the right and the honor to be an adult. And my job at this point is to say, you go, you live your life. It's none of my business anymore. and my 18 year old was extremely ill severe brain inflammation which manifested as mental illness. There were so many things that he came up with as solutions to try to make himself feel better at that time and I'm still haunted by some of that stuff that we dealt with but it makes my blood run cold when I think about had we made any kind of permanent choices or decisions at that time and now that he's A young man who's healed and whole and that we would have to live with those now and Mm. I just am so much more comfortable with an adult making an adult decision for themselves when they're an adult
1: I'm with you I'm with you and I think I don't know there probably are exceptions but I wouldn't want to have to be in the position to decide that but yeah no I feel like one of the greatest skills that we can develop as a human being is the ability to, to live with some measure of confusion and I don't have to have all the answers right now, it's okay to be confused, okay to be confused and in fact I mean, I had this conversation with my son at 12 or 13 years old. You're supposed to be right now. It's the most confusing time of life.
0: You're supposed to be to normalize that and to, honey, learn to hold the space for these bad feelings because it's going to make you stronger.
1: And you don't want to make a decision. It's like that time of life, kids are so brutal too. If you label yourself a certain way, then that's what you are that's what you are and that's how people treat you and what's it is it's a tough time in life and man it's a hard time to grow up too there's all that and all that stuff going on in the world where i don't know i don't know anybody who doesn't like know someone in their life a kid who's going through that
0: I told you it ended abruptly. (laughs) Next week, as the conversation continues, we discuss the challenges that modern men face, the importance of the dance between the masculine and feminine, and our thoughts, feelings, and opinions on what's known as the high-value man and that current movement.